welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amore. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Claire Asante, welcome to Unbroken. Hi, Alexandra. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So why don't we begin? Tell us about your background and how you got interested in the three principles. Okay. Um, So I was kind of a very worried child, spent my whole childhood just worrying about things and and not not really knowing that that was what it was. Um, And as I got a bit older, it sort of took hold as anxiety, really. And then I struggled with severe anxiety for about 25 years, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just kind of got worse and worse. And I literally tried every single possible thing that I could find through a lot of money at it. Um, And, you know, even these kind of weird and wonderful things that you think, oh, maybe this is the one. And I did find a lot of the a lot of the things, you know, temporarily did the trick and you're like right that's it I found it I found it at last you know um (laughs) and then it was just I think where it just didn't shift enough like nothing shifted enough so then I would end up kind of back to square one again um and then eventually I found the three principles which was um just something completely different Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah can you describe the sort of the difference between the two approaches that you saw yeah I think the the main thing that I would probably describe it as is the fact that with all the other things you're basically trying to fix the behavior so it felt like white knuckling and you're just not really getting anywhere with that whereas with three principles you are changing something so deep within you that once it's changed, there's no going back. I always sort of say it's like um, when someone shows you a magic trick and you're completely fooled by it, and then they show you how it's done, and then you're like, well, I can't ever believe in that again. And that's what the three principles gave me. It was like having an instruction manual to my mind, my feelings, my emotion, everything, where I couldn't look at it at the same in the same way again. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looked completely different. And I think that's what like almost like a soul shift is, isn't it? Where it's so deep, you can't ever go back again. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great metaphor or analogy, that magic trick one. I love that. I haven't heard that before. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And so apt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. your website is called Blindsided by Thought. So tell us why you came to choose that name. Yeah, so um, about six years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, an eye disease. Mm. Um, And it is something that kind of 
takes hold of the cones inside of the back of the eye. I mean, I'm, it's awful, really. I don't know exactly how it works. But at some point, it will take my vision, um, mm. part of it or all of it. I'm not sure. So it was that kind of like um, I went for a just a routine eye test. Um, they obviously saw something, sent me to the hospital, um, and the doctor didn't even really tell me what it was. It's like, oh, you've got this thing called retinitis pigment pigmentosa. I was like, well, that's a bit of a mouthful. I must Google that when I get home. <laughs> Googled it, and it had like blind, blind, blind. I was like, mm. that can't be right. Surely they would have made a bit more of a fuss or told, given me a leaflet or a website to look at. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what it was. So then I was kind of thrown into this, um, this world of the complete unknown where, you know, everything I looked at, there was no specific time scale. Nobody could tell me when or how, or everybody that you looked at was completely different. So there was no kind of nailing it down of, you know, it's almost like in five years, you will go blind. You almost feel like you could maybe kind of cope with that because you, you kind of know what's coming but it's that real you know, who knows um and luckily I'd already come across the three principles so much as I had that kind of panic of oh goodness it was a completely different experience to what I would have had before I came across the three principles because I know that if I hadn't come across the three principles I would have basically started living like a blind person you know, like living in that kind of fear of, oh, this is going to happen, that forward thinking of your mind, or what, how am I going to cope? Um, but actually, I, I tend to ground myself back to, um, okay, well, what's true now? Today, I can see. Um, mm. But that's, and weirdly, like, I started up my coaching business, and I was like, oh, what can I do for a name? What can I use? And just typical kind of was out for a walk one day, I was like, I know, blindsided by thought. I was like, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it has so many meanings, doesn't it? So yeah. you've embedded the word blind in there because of your situation. And then the and then it, it points to the way that thought just can hijack us, you know, when completely. we don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah completely. I mean, it take, takes the, the wind out of you sometimes, you're thinking, doesn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love hearing that you say that you had already found the principles, because I imagine with the experience you had with anxiety in the past, and then if you layered something like that, your eye um, situation onto it, uh, you know, I, I, I can't even imagine how much suffering that would cause without this understanding. Mm, yeah, and I and I find um, if I ever coach people around health anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, that's exactly what it is, where the, the fear of what's going to happen takes over. Um, and even with a diagnosis and, you know, not taking anything away from the fact that people do have some horrible diagnosis, um, it's a different feel when you can deal with it one moment at a time to clouding yourself with that fear of what's going to happen I mean I live in the country so not being able to drive for me is quite a big deal mm. um so much as obviously I have given it thought because that's <laughs> what humans do um but you know it would be moving and um you know changing changing everything really and you know being 
and kind of in a town which I'm not used to and you know all those things but again that that didn't take hold it was just um again kept saying well what's true now Mm. today (laughs) right right yeah and I just I find it so fascinating that we innocent so innocently can take that kind of thinking the anxious nervous thinking and view it as information I mean rather than um just the fact that it's pointing to our state of mind in the moment seeing that differentiation has been so big for me yeah yeah that's it that kind of um hanging on to you know you do go down that road of like a line of thinking don't you and sometimes you don't know how you've kind of been dragged so deeply into it it's like (laughs) how did that happen yes yes (laughs) you know even like conversations that you plan to have with someone like you know if you think oh I'm going to see that teacher in a minute I'm going to go and talk to them about my child and you play it out in your head as though that's helpful and we don't know what's going to be said do we (laughs) exactly yes yeah yeah, exactly. I do that on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she'll say that and then I'll say this. And then and I'll then say this. Say <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, you you went through training with Dr. Amy Johnson and did and she does focus on anxiety but also on food food related issues. Did you see yeah. any shift? in your own eating habits when you were going through that training or were learning about the principles? Yeah, I did. And that's that's how I found Amy, because mm. although I originally found the uh, principles through Nicola Bird, um, I was struggling with an eating d- disorder as well. Mm. So I was basically binging to kind of comfort my anxiety, really. And obviously, you know, now I can see it for what it is. But at the time when you're in it, it's really scary and horrible. And I can even sort of pinpoint where I picked up my habitual thinking. So I used to be a synchronized swimmer and I did that for like years and years. I, you know, qualified for the Olympics, you know, so it was quite a big part of my my life. And I started that when I was eight years old. And when we got into the sort of more serious training, we would train for like, you know, sometimes sort of three, four, five hours at a time. So we were in the pool training and part of our routine was that, say at certain times we would get out the swimming pool and we would all eat a bar of chocolate so it was ingrained in my mind that chocolate equals um energy um rest um you know it was giving me that kind of positive thinking so I did that for years I mean I was swimming till I was in my 20s um so that was in my mind of something that would help if I was feeling a bit like tired or you know low or whatever and then obviously because our minds are just machines that my mind just picked that up as something that would help me so every time from then on and that carried on when I gave up swimming um even if I was just having a low day it would be it would give me that information of oh this works normally go and get a bunch of food and just eat it mm-hmm. and then that sort of took on a life of its own basically and then I felt like I was really in trouble, you know, and then that feeling of food just not being, it wasn't a pleasure anymore. It was horrible. I hated it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, I felt like I had no control. It felt like there was something wrong with me. Um, and then 
you know, I came across the principles and then found Amy. And as you said, she very much focuses on that kind of habitual um, way that our mind works. Mm -hmm. And I don't binge now because I can see. And, you know, it still gives me that information sometimes. You know, if I'm having a bad day, it will say, oh, go and buy a massive bar of chocolate and just stuff that in your face (laughs) because that will make you feel better. Mm. And I'm like, I'm on to you. (laughs) I don't fall for that one anymore. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's very different. I don't, you know, I enjoy food now. I don't, I'm not scared of it anymore. So that's a big thing yeah I imagine and I think it's so interesting that these two things existed together the anxiety and the binge eating because what I notice very often is that um, our eating habits can quiet down our thinking a little bit so you know I always used to think of it as soothing myself or comforting myself and that was true but what I see now too is that it just got my mind to quiet down a little bit. And that was one reason for reaching for it. And if you were experiencing anxiety, I can imagine that would, you know, compound that. Mm, Yeah. And my mind was also giving me the story that when I was hungry, I felt more anxious. Um, Mm. But again, it was just a story around it. But you're right. When I was eating the food, I would feel peaceful. Um, but not for the whole time. Obviously, the peace left after a while once yes. it became a bit of a problem. And then it just felt horrible. Um, yeah. But yeah, originally, definitely. And then, of course, you're chasing that feeling again, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's the, the the sort of crazy making thing about it is that it, yeah, quiet, it quiets your mind down initially. And then... Mm. And then your mind revs up again, because now we're beating ourselves up about having done the thing that we, you know, said we wouldn't do again or whatever. Don't want to be doing. Yeah. 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 And like when you look at, you know, when I coach anybody, you know, everybody has some kind of coping mechanism and they're all different, but they give them the exact same uh, result, don't they? Where, you know, even if it's something like self-harming, you know, for that split second, they feel peace and that's what they're looking for and then obviously it becomes a problem because it's not a healthy thing to do right yes yep exactly so true and so leading on from that I mean we've sort of touched on this already but one of the questions I had shared with you that I thought I could ask was what it what is it about thought you know that keeps us um trapped in these behaviors that that we that we that are unwanted you know unwanted habits and i think we've touched a little bit on that it yeah they quiet our minds down um temporarily at least and do you see anything else around that around this the service essentially that they're providing Mm, um yeah i think i've really really seen a lot around um the machine part of it like it's just like our computer so that sort of takes the power out of it all, doesn't it? Where um, if you know it's it's like an algorithm where it's just giving you the same information because you've thought it several times before, um, it becomes quite interesting then, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I thought that one yesterday. Isn't that interesting that that's kind of programmed into my mind? And And again, we don't have any control over what we soak up it's programmed in and then it goes on repeat 
And mm-hmm. I think that's probably been like the biggest part for me where it it has made it not about me. It's just made it that my mind machine gives me the same information and it is just mind noise. It's not mm. personal. It's nothing to do with me. It feels personal because obviously it's from my experiences that I've picked it up. But it's not doing it on purpose. It's not doing it to be mean. In fact, it's doing it because it, you know, loves us and kind of wants to give us what it what we think, what it thinks that we need. Um, and that's why we kind of get dragged around by our hair by it, because it it feels like it's about us and it feels like it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, kind of responding to those whims of of the of chatter that's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you have a post on your website about living in the unknown, and you touched on this a little bit um, when you talked about your mm-hmm. diagnosis. And but could you share a little bit more about that and and how and the value of living happily in the unknown? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, as you said, my diagnosis definitely kicked me into that living in, in the un- unknown um, and has probably made me much more comfortable with it. And I think, you know, even things like, you know, even you and I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. Do we? <laughs> Someone might knock on the door or but you don't that's the way we we live but we don't know that we live like that um you know covid was a perfect example wasn't it and mm. and every second of every day none of us know but we think we do and i love the fact that our mind wants to nail everything down it wants to tell you how this is going to go and how that's going to go and it's you know 3d special effects singing all singing all dancing so it's very 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 (laughs) convincing um and i think before you know this obviously you you think you've got a bit of control over it i think i mean i you know i thought that i was kind of paving my way to um be you know, you have it in your head that you're going to do something. And I felt like I was the one doing it. Um, but again, we, you know, it's it's that allowing yourself to live in the unknown. Um, and I do find when I think about my eye situation, if I'm having a like a low day where I'm maybe not feeling quite so clear, I do tend to um, to want to know what's going to happen. And that might be when I'm sort of Googling stuff and like trying to research and find out, you know, or how's this going to go and how's that going to go? Whereas when my mind's a lot clearer, I'm completely happy to be in the unknown and go with the flow and see see what turns up. Mm-hmm. And when when you find you're a little more caught up about your diagnosis, if you're Googling and that kind of thing, um, is there anything that you do to stop yourself from doing that? Or do you just let it happen? What happens then? Um, I suppose with, you know, being in this understanding for quite a long time now, I'm sort of on to what's going on, I suppose. And and that's probably got easier over time. Um, I do just kind of allow myself to get caught up sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's quite fun to be in a bad mood, isn't it? And be like, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in it, I'm going to be in it. Um, 
but yeah and I think it's a bit like quicksand isn't it if you are trying to get out of a bad mood or a, a low um, state of mind or whatever you just sink deeper if you if you try and get out of it I'm not saying I'm, I'm always that gracious with it but I try not to kind of fight my way out because I know it'll only make it worse mm-hmm. and eventually it does pass doesn't it just it just kind of you know, <laughs> we come in and out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, it always shifts. We can count on that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, well, as we're winding up here, I just wondered if there was anything else about your work or about what you've seen around this understanding that you'd like to share that we haven't touched on. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with teenagers. Mm. Um, I'm not sure I've had a chance to put much about that on my um, website but I'm going into a school and coaching some people there and um, doing yeah doing a lot more with teenagers because I think I feel like they are a good age to to teach this too because they're not quite as conditioned they're a lot closer to their kind of um, source than say adults are because adults seem to have kind of layers and layers to peel back but you know (laughs) teenagers don't haven't been on this earth for quite as long so you know and they're really fun to work with and um unfortunately they're struggling a bit so that I've really really enjoyed that oh that's amazing yeah and I think it's such a good point too about teenagers and compared to adults you know when we're adults I just get a greater sense of we we feel like well I know what's happening and I'm yeah. going to defend my position and is yeah. you know this is how it is is there a little bit less of that I'm guessing with teenagers yeah they seem to be a lot more kind of open to things because you, you almost think that they're they're not going to be because they might be like well what you want about um but no they 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 really are and um I think if you can teach a teenager about the role of thought, you're onto something big. I mean, I, when I look back, I mm. think if I knew this when I was a teenager, what a difference. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and I like to think that if we work with enough children and teenagers, we won't have to ever coach adults again. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yes. At some point in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, just before we started recording, you mentioned you have children. Do you yeah. do you bring this to them as well? I really do. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I suppose because I live this way, it's unavoidable because, you know, it's it's they see it, they hear it. Um, even things like if I'm really caught up in my thinking, I can tell them it's not it's not you. Mm. You haven't done anything wrong. I'm just in a really low mood and I'm seeing the world through a filter of um distortion (laughs) might not put it like that because they might not understand but you know what I mean it's um where they know that we their moods are not necessarily to be taken too seriously um and also pointing out things like we always always have like a place that we go when we're in a low mood like mine is quite often um I might look around the house and see them all on screens or something and then freak out because I'm like well you're always on screens which are, they're not but you know when I'm in a low mood it looks like they are mm-hmm. um, or, and they all have their own individual places that they go so I try and talk about that a bit and mm-hmm. help them to just notice it really I think it's all about the noticing isn't it yes yeah exactly and I imagine that you know when we're kids I mean, I, I guess I should speak for myself, but I responded less to 
or less well when people told me what to do, you know, or how things were. But when an adult was was kind of open and vulnerable about what they were going through, that really mm-hmm. affected me. So I, I imagine by sharing with your your kids, um, you know, I'm in a low mood. This is, you know, just what's going on with me right now, that that would have such an impact on them. You're not, you know, you're not pointing to them and saying, do it differently. You're saying yeah. you're just sharing what's going on with you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And sometimes they will even say to me if I'm like, ah, they'll be like, oh, <laughs> you're just in a low mood. It's not me. And I'm like, well, it feels like it's you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, turning the tables. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love hearing that. And how did your work in the schools come about? I'm just curious. Um, With the teenagers. Yeah, so it's a school that my children have gone to. Um, Mm. I've got two teenagers and one younger one as well. Um, So I just kind of emailed them and just it's just voluntary. I just said, if you want someone to go in and coach one day a week or more um then I'm available and you know I'm so amazed by them that they're open to this because a lot of schools have to jump through so many hoops and they're a bit like oh no we'll stick to the very um the normal way we do it (laughs) yeah and I think you know they've just really impressed me so I emailed them and then sent them some testimonials and some of the students that I've already helped from the same school emailed them as well and just said it's really really helpful and it's something a bit different so yeah good for them yeah yeah and I'm I'm encouraged too that the teenagers will step forward and say I'd like to talk to you I'd like some help with whatever Mm. it is that's really great yeah because I think the the route that you know through the doctors and things like that I think they're on like an 18 month waiting list and you know people can't wait that long you know so some people can't wait that long some people can't afford um private coaching so at least if it's available and maybe we'll do like six week slots for them so they know that every week they turn up and they have a session Mm -hmm. you know hopefully I can do something there Mm -hmm. Oh, that's lovely. That yeah. makes my heart so happy. That's yeah. really nice. <laughs> well, yeah. this has been amazing, Clara. Thank you so much for talking to me. So Thank where can you. we find out more about you and your work? Yeah, so I've got a website, um, which is blindsidedbythought.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel, which is, I think, under Blindsided by Thought as well. I also have a Facebook group called Parenting Teens More Gracefully. Mm. Um which I've really enjoyed doing. I interview someone once a month that's um, come from this understanding and I try and choose a topic that maybe a teenager would struggle with and that somebody's come through, you know, that they've come through the other side thanks to this understanding. Um, so that's really fun. And mm. obviously there's lots of resources on there. Um, and yeah, I do mainly one-to-one coaching, um, but obviously struggling with my own anxiety eating disorders I mean you know lots of topics there that we can cover Mm -hmm. yes okay great well I will put uh, links to all of that in the show notes and um, if I put a link to the Facebook group will that um, like it's not a private group I guess is what I'm asking if I put a link in it'll Um, go there Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think to join, they have to just answer a couple of questions. And then I let them in if you know what I mean. But um, yes, yeah. But that's yeah, it is on there as a, a as one of the lists of parenting groups. So oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> 
Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for talking to me, Claire. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you'd like to connect, go to alexandraamore.com forward slash connect. I'll see you next time.